Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Christy Meller. Christy is an amazing author, as well as an artist and an actor, and she wrote a book over 10 years ago called Fun Without Dick and Jane, Your Guide to a Delightfully Empty Nest. And even though she wrote it a while back, she and Richard, her husband, continue on some wonderful adventures that make them really great open nesters to learn from. Let's hear it from Christy Miller. Christy Miller and her husband have an unusual and beautiful open nest, taking them on many journeys. She's a writer, a painter, was an actor, and her books are wonderful on her website. And you'll hear more about her and their adventures in this wonderful episode. Let's hear it from Christy Miller. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Christy Miller. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. About fun without Dick and Jane. It's basically a guide to a delightfully empty nest, and it's fun and delightful is exactly and smart. So thank you for that book. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, So I don't know if you were aware, but I wrote a book called The Three Martini Playdate. That was my first book. And this book was sort of the third. I had The Three Martini Playdate, The Three Martini Family Vacation, and then a few other books in between. And then this book, was sort of capping it off as kind of kind of written for people who hadn't read my first book and didn't get the message of my first book, which was basically when you have children, we would hope that they could become a part of our lives rather than the center of our lives, you know, so that they're sort of coming along with us for the ride. We're all doing it together and not that they are, you know, the sun rises and sets on them and that we you do everything for them and then create sort of helpless creatures who go out into the world and don't know how to do anything for themselves. And so under the assumption that you either had read that or hadn't quite taken it to heart and you've been, you know, at home, like dreading the day when your child goes off to college or whatever, um, this was sort of meant to just bolster the the feelings of how positive it can be and, and how wonderful and, um, What's interesting, though, we sort of started touching upon this before you started recording, but, um, you know, things are are so different now. I mean, in so many ways, I grew up in San Francisco in, in the 60s. I feel very fortunate for that. I had a lot of independence. I, you know, grew up in a different time. I had a close relationship with my parents, but generally speaking, I would say at that time, generations were so different and it was so like i'm going away now it's like you have to get out of here you got to get away from your parents they are a whole different you know can of beans and when we had kids i don't know we had a different relationship with our kids and i think when our kid first of all we were very proud that when he came back from college he didn't want to move back in he was like stayed about a month and was like mom i'm moving in with my girlfriend. Um, and he was, and I was sort of like, 
oh, well, you know, you can stay. I got a new bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big bed and she can stay here too. If you're an open lover, you know, one big happy family. But, you know, I thought, okay, this is good. This is what's supposed to happen. But then when our, um, our second child went off to college and we thought, let's get out of here. And then we moved. (laughs) I think the boys were a little like, really, you're leaving? And what about like, our Friday night dinners. And what about, and it was sort of like, well, we're moving to New York because we, we have some fun to, to do. (laughs) I love it. So that's what we did. I wrote the book actually a few years before our youngest child left. I wrote it after the first child left because I was talking to so many people and so many parents we knew who were just like, my kid's going off to college and I don't know what to do. (laughs) And I was sort of like, get a grip. This is like really a good thing for for everyone concerned. And so that sort of started the whole thing. And then when our second son went off and then the house really was empty, I mean, he literally, he left in August and in September we were like, should we like sell the house and get out of here? <laughs> I love it. Who wants to grow old in LA? I don't know. So we both wanted to be in a place where we didn't have to drive. And we thought, hey, New York, why not? We, you know, you don't have to, you you have basically 550 square feet to clean if you want to have people over, but no one goes over to anyone's apartment anyway, because everyone's apartment is small. So, you know, you can walk everywhere and it was fabulous. And our kids were like, really? New York? Why? And then um, we had a blast and then COVID what hit. Both, what did you both do work-wise for that period of time? Well, see, that's the thing. Our 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 kids, who are very, very responsible young men, grew up in a house where they had two parents who kind of did a lot of freelance work. So I think they both went like, I need, I need like, you know, a, a steady paycheck in healthcare, which they both have amazingly. But um, we, I, I used to, do um, acting. And I uh, did that for a, a long enough and luckily well enough that I got a, I have a SAG pension, which is very helpful in subsidizing all my other interests. Um, so I did that for a while. I did a lot of voiceover stuff. And, um, and then I started writing. Um, we wrote, my husband and I wrote a screenplay together. And then that, when that, after a couple of years, and it was just a lot of Hollywood politics and that was over, but then I started, I wrote my first book and then got that published and then wrote five or four more books, but, and then, you know, started doing other things. I was singing in a band for a while. And, um, so then that was really fun. So all these things were happening while our well we were raising the kids. So we didn't need to be in a specific place. Once I stopped doing acting and going on auditions and I was at home writing, we could we figured we could live anywhere. And my husband um was doing copywriting at the time for um, you know, like taglines for post movie posters kind of thing. And so he didn't have to be in a specific place because he had a job at a actual office and then when that, when the, everyone was working at home, he was just freelancing so we could live anywhere. So, so you are such artists on the move and I love hearing different people's stories and why that and how that impacted your kids. So they want steady 
and yet they kind of flipped out when you left. And then how, what was the progression after that? What happened after that? Well, yeah, they never said so in so many words that they needed steady, but they've natural. Now, interestingly enough, the youngest one is a, a classical cellist. And so when he was, he was at graduate school at Yale and in the, in COVID, in the middle of COVID. And it was just sort of like, oh my God, I'd never, ever thought that like, he wouldn't have a job or what do you, you know, because there were no orchestras weren't auditioning, nothing was happening. And um, it was a little suddenly like, hmm, should I be worried about this? I don't know. And so he, anyway, it was long story short, but he ended up getting a job. It's, it, it kind of was a little weird at first for me because I was like, really? He auditioned for... He had an audition. He said, I'm going to DC for an audition. And I said, Oh, what, what orchestra is open? It's for Air Force strings. And he says, and there were like hundreds of people auditioning for this because there were no orchestra jobs. So, so, and there, and the only openings are like every 12 years, you know, the last opening was 12 years ago. And you get full benefits and a pension and blah, blah. So, whatever. My kid, <laughs> I have one kid playing classical cello in the air force and the other one with a very good job in LA both of them got married at like eight, 24 years old which is one is 31 now and one is 25 they're both married with houses and jobs it's like the weirdest thing so anyway so it's so interesting to watch our kids so all of them have their own paths and and that's a big part of what i think you talk about in this book which is what i i love about about how, um, I mean, you make it very light. It's a light book. So it's not something, and it's a way for us to laugh at ourselves. And I think, you know, even like, for example, with pets, you you were saying something very funny, which I think people often do, like, how do I still fill this place? And 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 since you were such a traveler and we tend to not want it, we had a dog actually until that dog passed away. And I would never think of getting another one just because of the responsibility of a puppy. And and you made it like so lighthearted about people think you hate dogs and cats, but it's like, we have to think ahead to what is it we want our next chapter to look like. And even if it's going to change. So, so talk to me about that. Like how you talk to people about the fact that, I mean, if, if, let's say they're past the idea of, um, of, of the emptiness being a panic place. Like okay. what, what are some of the things that you think were the most resonant over the years that you've talked to people about and this book has helped them with? Well, I think the idea that um, you really can write your own chapter, you can write your next chapter. I mean, you can do, you know, I, I, as I said, a lot has changed, especially since COVID. And I think that has changed things for a lot of people. But, and I, you know, if you read the book, you'll notice I had a whole big thing on, we're going to go to France and live on a boat and we're going to ride the river, the barge. (laughs) And, um, you know, we did get to do that when I, when we took the kids to, to Europe in 2005, we got to stay on our friend's boat and that was fabulous. But the fact is you have your version of living on the boat in France. And now our version of living on the boat in France is living in the woods on an island in the Pacific Northwest, which is where we moved from New York. Um, And it's just like summer camp every day. And to me, that's like, I mean, I feel like I'm on vacation every day and it's, it's just so beautiful here. And, you know, tell us how you got to that point that you felt like 
I mean, you're saying summer camp now, but I'm so interested in the process and how the two of you converge because you seem to have been very different. So that's important for people to understand how that you came to that, this. Do you, you mean my husband and I being very different? Yeah. We are very different, but yet, and in fact, it's interesting because um, we had almost six years in New York. That was wonderful. Um, I think co- the intensity of COVID in New York had a little bit to do with the fact that we we did want to get out of there, although we we really stuck it out. What I came here, I'm I'm more of a let's say camper than he is, and um, I came here to where we are now. This little six acres we have in the woods with a little view of Puget Sound, and I was camping out, kind of getting this structure finished because he doesn't camp out so much, and he like you know needs running water. Go figure. So I had the. You know, <laughs> I love this. He needs plumbing or plumbing. (laughs) So I built the kitchen by myself because there was like you couldn't get people to come work on your place. So I built the kitchen and got, you know, did the help, did get help putting up the walls and stuff. But um, it's a lovely little cabin. You can sort of see. So you actually, you actually built, meaning you actually Um, nailed it. I did not build this structure. It's a, you know, it's, it's up to code to say, um, anyway, when it it was, it was sort of partially built and the interior hadn't been finished yet. And we needed, you know, it was, it was very bare bones. So I got it finished. And, and this was like in April of 2021, I guess he came out in July. This was the first time we'd been apart for months. We'd never done that in 36 years of marriage. And um, so we were apart for, you know, a few months, three, four months. And he came out in July and he was just kind of a wreck of just like, you know, the last four, the previous four years, I should say, without getting political was pretty much a, it was difficult. It was stressful. I I get you. (laughs) It was extremely stressful. And, you know, between that and COVID and everything else. So he arrived to the island like, oh my God, he'd lost weight. He was just like, honey, let me feed you. Come here. And then I thought I'm going to have to talk him into moving here, but I want to live here now. And he, he, he was here for about two hours and he said, I'm not leaving. (gasps) And he's looking out to the trees and just like, I'm not leaving. And he's since turned into this like bird guy and he's like, he loves it. So and oh, and everything's like so hey, precious. And your kids are visiting you. Do they have room to stay, or they don't get? They, we we they have not been yet because they both are so busy. Like they're both busy being, you know, how you are when you're 31 and 25. They have jobs, and uh, you know, yeah. the, those things. Our oldest child just had his a baby, so we have our first grandchild. Congratulations! Thank you. So um, so it's yeah, it's uh, so we are we are now. I don't know. It's, it's like we're living in a tree house and we're building a regular house, but that's sort of a slow process. That's another thing. I think our kids think, you how know. do you do being on top of each other? I guess you did it in New York, but I'm curious how you get along. I mean, since the stage after the, after the, you, after the open nest happened, after you opened it to your kids leaving and we really had that experience to just go for it. How did the two of you do? So let's talk about relationships a little bit. Okay, that's a good question because I think I hear some, there's a common sort of thing that you hear. You see it in TV shows. You hear it from people that like the guy or whoever it was who was out of the house working is suddenly retired and then comes home and is underfoot and all that stuff. Well, 
Richard and I have always been under, you know, we've always been because we both worked at home. home, Right. And, um, you know, when, when I was working, I mean, he did a lot of the taking care of the kids when they were little, because I would be off doing voiceover work or or working, you know, on whatever. So he was very, very hands-on dad. And I was lucky in that way. Um, and I mean, we were both lucky. We really shared it. And then, um, it sometimes, you know, I, I would say the most intense example of it was during COVID in New York, 550 square feet, two people, you can't leave and you can't leave. So both of us really would get like to give a shout out to Bose headphones, because that's like, to us, we said, this is like a room edition. Because Uh I could be in the kitchen. I turned the, I paint and I turned our little kitchen, which was like eight by 10 foot, you know, kitchen into my painting studio. And then he would be in the other room doing, working on his music. And we both had our headphones on and be like, hi, honey, from the other room. But we could kind of, I could escape into an audio book or into whatever and, and, and work on my paintings and he could, you know, work on his music. And then we meet up for, you know, dinner, lunch or dinner. So it's precious. It just shows you, you could do anything with, with the right heart and intention there. I mean, just to make whatever's, and we adapt and you found different ways that just seems so easy to you, but just some of those basic things like headphones and, and, and having the attitude of you guys, I mean, obviously how we're used to having it in each other's presence, but for other people, I talk sometimes and interview people and discuss the idea of space. And after the five love languages were published, they said that there's the sixth of this idea of providing space to each other. And sometimes also just saying, how do we get out and let each other do their thing? Just like you did by just going out to the Pacific Northwest. Like, I just love how with ease you took this on. It's, it's and That's why it's so reflective of your book, because it's who you are. Well, there is a, a I do tend to, um, want to do things. I mean, I think, you know, you can talk about, we have a lot of friends in LA who are just like, oh, I would love to, you know, pack up the house and sell everything and go do move such and such or live in Europe or go live on a boat or do blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're, I don't know. They're all like, how do you do it? And it's like, well, you just kind of have to, you either decide to do it or you don't. It's no, whatever, many people are more comfortable just staying put. And, and that's how I grew up. I always thought I would be that way too, but there's like, I don't know. We, there's just something about kind of go going along for the ride. And I think my husband isn't quite so much that, that kind of a doer, like he'd probably still be in his apartment and you know, <laughs> where, where I met him, where he was living when I met him. <laughs> and with like a piano and a table. Um, but it's just, but he's, I think it keeps you young to just kind of, um, or active or whatever, just to I be, like to say vital. Cause that yes, I'm, I'm a pro ageist here. We need to uh, age beautifully and, and with vitality and not try to be younger. Right. Me too. I agree. I agree. And younger only in the sense of like, I still feel like yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I this is totally off that, but sort of on that uh, to that point. When my dad turned seventy nine, I think it was, or or something, and 
he, he said, it's the weirdest thing. I look in the mirror and I feel like I'm, you know, 32. I don't understand how I could be 79. And it's sort of like that. I mean, I, oh, I, I have no idea how I got to be 64, which used to be old. And it's like, it's not old. Who said that that was old anyway? I don't feel older. I just feel wiser. And I don't mind when people approach me as a matriarch or call, and now I'm trying to embrace the crone. And the idea of the wisdom that we've accrued, that we've earned is such a beautiful thing if we are stay open to it. So that's why the open nesters, we call it this idea of what are we opening to? And that's the vitality that you are so easily embodying. And I just didn't even know I'd have such a wonderful surprise to meet you and talk to you. So actually, I, I read some of the sections on like downsizing or running away or, you know, I loved it. And here you are kind of talking about both. And I love that. So so what have been the obstacles that you think people find um, or if they want to stay home, what are some of the things that have ma- can make them happy? Like, are there any other ways that, you know, you would look at someone who's not necessarily as, as outgoing or active or proactive as you? Um, that are make, giving themselves more joy in the moment. What are some of the things you do discuss some of them in the book? I know. Yeah, well, I think I think uh, speaking of space, like you said, for instance, um, we didn't have this in New York because our place was so small. But here, for instance, we really were living in one room, but we have turned half the garage downstairs into. So Richard has a studio. So I have mine up here. He has his down there. Um, you know, if you if you aren't going to move and you aren't and you decide you don't want to uproot and, you know, take off across the country or whatever, I think you could switch stuff around in your house, you know, make things make rearrange things, make, you know, paint a wall, do something that is going to make it feel like you're 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 starting a fresh or, you know, a lot of people do that anyway. I I find it's interesting. Um I've had friends say in the past, you know, when I've painted my walls, whatever, some color, and they'll say, they'll say, oh my gosh, you're so brave. And I'll say, no, I'm not brave. It's paint. And if you really don't like it, you can paint you over can it. paint over it. Exactly. Exactly. Like so. coloring your hair or cutting your hair, or it's just like, sometimes you just have to do it. And if you really hate it, it'll grow back or, you know, you can dye it or, you know. There are very few things that are completely permanent. I mean, that's probably a a stupid statement. Well, no, I think I think this is true. And you think actually we saw our lives are so tenuous and uncertain right now that I like to look at the impermanence. I mean, you know, what is what's the word? Ephemeral? Like things are they're just. and And also, so you talked about in the book, things like people are, you know, volunteering or doing their own picnics outside, like. noticing how we have more time and space to create the lives we want wherever we are. And Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, this is the example is that when we've, when we stay stuck in that idea that something is now empty and, and it's very binary, the empty and the, and the, you know, having a full house or having an empty house and the house, the home, the heart, all of it can be this vital place of exploration. And that's what you're talking about from any place we are. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm creating this place here because I really do want to have our families be able to come. And, you know, we, we have, um, in LA, our, our oldest son, who's also incredibly creative, 
um, and we love his wife. We, it's turned out that we love her parents. And when we stay, I mean, how, how lucky is that, that we, that our in-laws are like two of our best friends now. And when we stay, when we go and stay with them, they have, they've built their, their, our kids have built the house in the backyard, in their backyard, because they couldn't afford to buy a house in LA. So they're, they've spent their money on building this beautiful house. And then we stay with the, with her mom and dad, and there's this big sort of family compound. And that's what we want to sort of create here too. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just really, uh, it's just fun to sort of think it's, I never thought I would be doing, you know, Oh, 20, 20 years from now, you will be living in the forest. Your child will be, you know, married with a child with another, you know, it just, you don't, you don't really think about, um, okay, this is, I'm trying to put this the paths that you take, you know, you think you're going one way and then you end up going another. And that I think is what really keeps it interesting. And that's what, you know, people think that it's a failure if, well, I wanted to do that and I ended up doing this, but it's like the best thing you can do is fail because it, and we actually tried to teach our kids that, you know, my husband sort of used it in uh, used the analogy of like Michael Jordan, you know, failing half more than half the time. And um, I am not a sports person, so that's not the analogy I would use. But, you know, my job, for instance, when I was an actress, I would say like my my job interviews, if you what you call auditions, it's like I fail 99 percent of the time. That's just my job. That's my job is to accept rejection, you know. It's really not fun, but like, that's the job. And then you get a job and then you go, oh, great, I got a job and this will keep me going until the next job. And failure, you know, you can look at failure in so many ways, but it's like such a loaded word, but it's honestly, it's like the best thing that can happen. And you both, my husband and I have, have since the first time we met, it's sort of like, if all those things we said we wanted to do had happened, we wouldn't be here right now. And if the, that thing that we thought was such a disaster and such a failure that we didn't do or didn't get or a job we didn't get or a thing, we wouldn't be here right now. And like that's everything exactly, led us. That's exactly the way. And with this crazy, uncertain world, the that adaptability and being able to know how to not be so risk averse we, I mean, if we can't, we, the the getting out of our of our own way is so important because then we can fail and fall, and then we also can fly and enjoy so many more of the moments of our lives, and that's what makes our lives rich. So I feel like you're such a living example of it. This is such a wonderful conversation for me, and and also talk again about relationships because I do feel like. What do you think has been some of the successful things that you've been able to convey to your kids that they did want to get married at so quickly, obviously, and feel good about marriage? And what, what what do you think you and your husband set as an example and as you grow older are enjoying modeling? Well, I mean, I think there are things that came naturally to, to me anyway. I grew up in a family that was, you know, we were pretty close and we went on trips together and, um, you know, it was pretty standard, uh, family as far as dad going off to work and mom staying home 1960s thing. But my mother was an artist. So she, she 
worked. And um, it was that sort of era of benign neglect. You know, it was like, if you're a smart girl and we trust you, you go off and, you know, take the bus down to wherever, because we know that you're going to, you know, they, they, I was, uh, I had a lot of independence. And, and so growing up with that, but also seeing two parents who were, you know, loving and adventurous and wanted to do stuff and uh, took us along with them. I guess I, you know, I, I could never live up to that. <laughs> we were, we, by comparison, we were pretty, you know, we didn't really have the money to go traveling around and stuff like that, but we did what we could. And, you know, we tried to make it fun. We do a lot of music at home. The kids, you know, we would, we would have music nights with friends or with just us and, and sit around, sing and play. And the kids both are really good musicians. And I think they enjoyed that. I mean, I, I don't know if it, what, what it was, it wasn't overt. It was just like, well, we're having dinner together every night. That's just something that we did. We didn't make a big deal of it, but it's like, no, you have dinner. We sit down and have dinner at a table and you don't have your devices and you wear a shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's a special call out to my youngest son. <laughs> we wear shirts. <laughs> But anyway, it was two boys, you know, boys. I mean, oh. I love this. So you're, what you're talking about, which we also talk about a lot on the Open Esther podcast when we've spoken to different therapists or is secure attachment. You came from secure attachment. You modeled secure attachment. You were able to say, go out and do your thing and you'll have a place to come home to. And also between us as a, as a couple, uh, you know, the more secure attached both of the individuals are, the easier it is to give each other space to to adventure and to trust. And I think that those things have really been obvious in what, how you've expressed it so naturally. So I really, really appreciate all this beautiful conversation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think, I think Richard did not have that as much, uh, you know, he, he had a different situation entirely um, with his family, with his parents. And, um, and I think it, I think he really embraced not just me, but my mom and dad loved him. And he just felt really wanted and embraced by our family and stuff like that. And I think for him, it was a different kind of adventure because he didn't have that kind of family growing up. So, um, I mean, like they had the trappings, but I don't think they had the, you know, his parents were a different breed and they ended up. And people gravitate towards good. If they feel good, if there's a good feeling we've created and if one person can do that, so I love, I love all of that. Is there anything else that you feel like, well, what, what else is coming up for you? Let's talk about what's, what's next for you. I mean, building this house, I mean, you've, and you, what kind of art are you, and what are you most interested in for yourself with your painting? Tell me about your. Well, I do. Um, if I have my, my websites on my, I have a painting website and a regular website, so you can go see what I'm doing. Actually, what I'm... why don't you give us those now? Cause I always still put them in the blog, but what I will. Doing? Okay. So my painting website is, um, hatmonkeystudio.com. At? H-A-T. H-A-T. Hatmonkey. H-A-T. M-O-N-K-E-Y. Hatmonkeystudio, all one word, dot com. And then my regular website, there's a link for my painting studio too, is just christymellor.com. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E-M-E-L-L-O-R. Awesome. These books are so good. I mean, you can find them everywhere, I'm sure. But I just also think, you know, if there's anything else that you that, that's coming up for you or anything that you want to convey to people at this stage that I'd like to leave that open for the, uh, to wrap up with. 
I would say that um, it's not, I mean, it is one thing to say, yes, we have wisdom to impart and we're older and all that stuff. I feel like I'm just still learning and that is not going to stop. It's just never ending. It feels like, I mean, I, I, I don't, I sort of know what's going to come next, but I'm also kind of like, well, I mean, I'm painting, we're going to build a house. I'm learning a lot about joists and concrete. And that's, and I really am really, <laughs> I'm really interested. We, we have a, there's a neighbor down the road who's building, um, he's building their house. And I'm, and I'm just like, can you tell me about knee walls? I'm like, really cute. You know, so I'm, I'm getting some, uh, some really good, I don't know. There's just, things are always changing and it's just fun. I'm, I, I think fun. I think we're, we're happier as people when we're happy. <laughs> That seems silly to say, but you know, I think it just feels better when we're generative. We're generative. Yeah. yeah. And and so I think it's not always easy, but um, you know, trying to find joy in in just every day if you can. That sounds so sappy. Oh my God. But still, you know what I mean? About the joy every day. It's, so and actually I was gonna ask you about friendships since you've moved so much. So how do you keep up with your okay. friendships and, and what do you do with your friends? I mean since you that is tricky. Yeah. And that's the other thing, speaking of, you know, giving each other space and all that, I was just going to finish off what we were saying, giving each other space, Richard and I are both very independent, but together. So anyway, that's finishing up that thought. As far as friends go, you know, it's, it's tricky. I have a couple of really, really close friends and we got so used to, um, uh, FaceTiming or, you know, face, Uh Facebook chat or what's it called? Yeah. FaceTime chat. We got used to doing that during COVID. And now I'm really grateful to have it because um, we have kind of regular talks. It's not the same as being in person, but you know, they've been to visit (laughs) or at least two of them have come to visit a couple others. I'm waiting for them to come visit. I feel like old friends are just, they're just always there in me and we can pick up where we left off and it's just not a thing. And then other friends that are also good friends, but you know, we're only seeing each other. Mostly some of them have a few have visited, but mostly we're seeing each other on FaceTime. We'll have regular like cocktail parties on FaceTime chat. And then others, (laughs) to tell you the truth, there was a, um, there was a thing when we were living in LA where, you know, you, you, I don't know. Do you live in LA? Wait, you oh, live where? We're in New England. You're in New England. Okay. So LA, the traffic is so terrible that you basically have to plan your day around. It's like, do we want to go to that art, art opening downtown? Oh my God. Then we have to leave at three, make sure we miss the traffic here and da, da, da. And after a while we realized we were just having more parties at home because we just didn't want to leave the house. It was just like, okay. let's have them over. And I, I love cooking and I love entertaining. So, and then after a while, it was just sort of like, you know, I just feel like this could be a a bad rut. As fun as it is to have our friends over, it just feels like it could be, I just want to shake things up a little. And some of the same people and some of the same things. And so it just got to be like, I think it's time to, to, to just try something new. That's all. And, and we did. And I figured the, the, you know, you're always going to know people, but there are some people that you're always going to be really close with. And I think you, it becomes have clear. Have you made new friends out, out there? Or is it not? 
I I actually have made one of my best friends I made in New York. And it's so funny. We met in, uh, I, I was just talking to her this morning, as a matter of fact, she still lives in, she moved to Connecticut and she's moving to Spain with her set. She has seven children huh. <laughs> that, okay. This is the goofiest thing. I, I met her in a coffee shop around the corner from this little apartment. And this was before we moved there. I, we had a little apartment there that I had, I had had like a little um, chunk of money after my dad died. And I thought we are both people who we shouldn't have this money in the bank because it'll be gone. So I'm going to do something with it. So we had been talking about the idea of what if we ever moved to New York. And I knew that our youngest son was thinking about going to school back East. And I thought, well, who knows? Maybe it'll be like, we should try it out. So I got this little apart. I got this little apartment in New York. So I was there and I was, I was renting it out. And then I was there kind of putting a bed in and making it uh, so that I could go and, and, and stay. And then when my kid had all these auditions back East, we could um, for school, we could go and stay there. So I was there and I was like, had it sleeping on an air mattress. And I went around the corner and got some coffee and there's this woman and, and she's saying goodbye to her friend and giving her a big hug. And she looked at me and she said, you need a hug. And I'm like, <laughs> hello, I'm sorry. I'm in New York. This is really weird. I didn't say that. And she gave me a big hug and I was just, and then she said, who are you? At the time, I think I had like lavender hair. And she says, who are you? I have to know you. Give me your number. We're going to have coffee. <laughs> Like, okay, fine. I love New Yorkers for that reason. But seven kids in New York? That's well, and as we're leaving, her friend says, what you have to know about her is she has seven kids. And I'm like, what the hell? Turned out she lived like right around the corner from me. I love her kid. Her kids are like some of our, but I mean, they Aww. their kids are our friends. They love Richard. They love me. We have we Anyway, we, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. So, and so the boss, so that you know, it just shows you the little examples of being open to that hug and to that connection at any time in our lives. And I just love that. I love that as a way to close because I wanted to say, you know, thank you so so much for this beautiful time and beautiful interview. I've really really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much, and so nice to meet you. And and let's all just go have some fun. Let's have some fun. Let's stay. In So we've learned so much about this idea here of ways we can change and, and grow, even logistically, physically, in different spaces, and create a new life for ourselves by listening to Christy. Right? Amir, did you enjoy that part? Well, I, I enjoyed the interview very well because it shows me how important it is to be adaptable and flexible, not only in general in your life, but also in the open nesting stage. Because... The change that happened to us uh, as open nesters is massive. All of a sudden, the kids have left the house, and now we don't have anything in common. I mean, the couples don't have anything in couple. And then they have to kind of like be flexible and adaptable. What do they do next? And it's very important. And I think that uh, Christy really described it very well, how they were able to move a couple of times, how they were able to adapt during the pandemic, I mean, this is really profound, wonderful. And it is the flexibility that we have in our lives raising our kids. And she talks about that. that they come with us for the ride. That make, that, that uh, lets them adapt to us continuing to be on the ride. And we didn't do everything for them. 
And even if we're very connected to them, more than our parents' generation perhaps, the idea that we can have these adventures and then bring them back into the adventure with us and, and create so much more of a beautiful ride together with our families, even with all the change that yeah. we sometimes have to shake up. And so they did that proactively before the kids left, and I think we were similar to that with our own kids. Absolutely, and that's the whole idea of an open nest. It is open for the kids to come in and out, in and out, other people, and that's why we really came up with the whole uh, uh, phrase, open nesters, because we felt that the nest is open rather than empty. Exactly. And they, and they have done it. They have, uh, they're true open nesters. I wish we could have talked to the husband, yeah, but, he, he, well, Eric, he doesn't like getting on, uh, on but, an interview, um, but Richard. Richard, yes. But Christy, thank you so much for uh, illuminating us and this wonderful interview. Yes, very inspiring. I hope some people can uh, take notes on what they have learned and from the wisdom of this wonderful uh, author. And I hope you'll follow us on social media. We're growing our community. Subscribe to our podcast and Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and in our small community. If you'd like to make comments, we'd love to hear your comments. And we'd also love to hear if you have any great guests that you can, that are living adventurous or new Absolutely. paradigms in their lives as open nesters that you'd like to recommend for the show. And, you know, I just remembered uh, the first episode we've done. Uh, the first episode of The Open Nester was The Gypsy Nesters. Oh, that's Remember right. that? That's right. That was um, 120 that. episodes ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we thank you for listening. Thank you for making us one of the top-rated relationship podcasts in the country. We truly appreciate it. It is all thanks to you, our lovely and loyal audience. Please, subs- please share and continue. And thank you. <laughs> Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. We'll see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.